0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Show Part Podcast, episode 222. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today, Talked about video games. I actually went on a bit of an adventure last night. Um, I beat uh, three video games, actually. So um, the, the easiest one of those was uh, Panzer Dragoon. So if you didn't see on my Twitter, my Panzer Dragoon remake copy finally showed up i think it's been like a year and, and six months since i ordered it from limited run games and so it's finally here I'm like thank god it's here that's my final limited run game in terms of what i have currently ordered um as if you've listened to podcast before you know i'm probably gonna try to generally avoid limited run games going forward just because I, again no problem with the company or their model per se, but it's just not really for me. I don't like the stress of having to be like, oh, I got to buy within this period. Do I really want this? Oh, they're releasing like, you know, multiple games at once that might be of the the like same series. It's like, this is the only chance you're going to get to get, you know, copy one and two, even though I haven't played one yet. So I don't know if I even want to play two at this point, all that stuff. It's just like, ah, I don't know. I'm just going to not worry about it. So I'm probably going to try to not buy live-and-run game stuff in the future. Um, but again, if you do, I'm not saying you shouldn't or anything like that. Just my personal experience related to that model, not live-and-run games specifically. Anyways, point being, got Panther Dragoon Remake. Uh, it's a very short video game, so I was like, I'm just going to sit down and kind of blast through this, basically. If you don't know, Panzer Dragoon, it's like a very um, Star Fox style kind of game, you know, on-rail shooter, kind of, or on a dragon, then you kind of move around. The big difference is is that everything's not in front of you. You can kind of rotate the camera around uh, 360 degrees around uh, the the player. Um, But although, when you're looking, like, to your sides and behind you, like, your actual movement is locked, so you have to, like, shoot everything down that's actually coming at you. Um, And you have, free free form on moving that camera so it's not like something that's scripted where it turns the camera you just turn the camera on your own you know and you have like a radar in the top right corner and it shows you like what directions enemies are coming from things like that um, i am not a huge fan of the original panzer dragoon honestly um, i i just kind of i don't know i played panzer dragoon Orta first which is the xbox game and i did a video about that a while ago um, and I really like that game. That is an amazing video game. It's the third Panzer Dragoon in the main, like, shoot 'em up series. There's the Panzer Dragoon RPG, Panzer Dragoon Saga. Uh, but I love Orta. I have not played the second game yet. So, in sitting down and playing this, you know, I was very much like, yep, this is still that original Panzer Dragoon game. It definitely looks nicer. Um, it, it's, it definitely looks like a low production qu- or like." Uh, low production uh, uh, product still like it just like visually everything looks a little awkward the animations are very stilted I don't know if they're like you know sticking faithfully to the animations of the original Um, but but you know it looks a little low budget but you know when you're looking at that original Saturn version it's definitely a big improvement in terms of you know fidelity and quality Um, you know some people I think will probably like uh, uh, that older look still i there's definitely something weird about seeing that game run at like a higher frame rate than 20 frames per second for me I was just like oh man this this looks a little funky um but but it's still like a I think a great way to play that game if you want to or at least in my experience in playing through that game once it was very very straightforward and easy and and there weren't any real apparent issues as far as I could tell nothing that fell out of place at the very least as a non Panzer Dragoon expert just somebody who played that original well well it should be worth mentioning I never played the Saturn release I only ever played the Xbox version which was like a port of the PC version um so so that's the only experience I have but in comparison to that Xbox version which at least back then was fairly accessible I don't know how much Panzer Dragoon order costs these days although I think you can buy it online digitally through through the Microsoft store and I think played on any any Xbox console from 360 all the way up to to Xbox um Series X so so I think it's a very accessible game if you really want to, just maybe not the physical copy. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's anyways, the, the point being though, you know, it's kind of a, 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 boiled down version of that game in some ways. Cause it was the original and, and I just, I have a hard time really finding a lot of excitement in it. Uh, but obviously the 360 degree you know, camera control thing is definitely a big differentiator between it. Um, I just kind of feel like it doesn't really add a lot to the game, in my opinion, I think, the 360 degree camera. Um, what really stands out to me about um, uh, Orda and why I like Orda a lot was like the ability to change different forms at any time. And so not really having that mechanic, I think, um, kind of dampers my, my interest in the previous games. Uh, I don't know much about Zvai, the second Panzer Dragoon game. Uh, but I, I would like to try that someday. You know, these are short games. it took me like an hour to get through Panzer Dragoon, if not less than that. I didn't die once on normal. Um, which I don't know if that is, you know. I assume it's that that game is, is built in a way that they want you to just like try the different difficulties. So I don't know if there's like different, you know, uh, layouts and things like that based off the difficulty or if it's literally just like, uh, Oh, the enemies have higher health and you have less health kind of thing. So, uh but I I am not really that interested in Panzer Dragoon to to really try to explore that and figure that out. So I just moved on. But yeah, I was I was happy to sit down and finally play that. It is a little funny that I had to wait like a year and 6 months to experience something that was like finished within 40 to 60 minutes. <laughs> um but you know, I'm happy to play through a short game all the time. It gives me it gives me a good feeling to be like, "Hey, I beat a video game." Uh, another video game I beat was Active Life Explorer. So obviously this was a bit of a longer running game. Um, so I, I finished that up. Nothing really to add about Active Life Explorer at this point. Um, it's it's pretty much the same from start to finish. There's no real uh, development in that game. It's it, it's I like the, the kind of the light structure of Active Life Explorer where you have like a purpose and a reason to be doing these events, uh, but you are just kind of like repeating the same events over and over and over again. And you know there is like the, the kind of nice little thing where it's like oh the the first event you do is also the last event you do and it's the hardest version of the last or the hardest version of that first event um so there's like kind of a nice that they they put a little thought into that kind of through line there um but it's not like you know a ski where there's like this very uh <laughs> i don't know about touching story is the right word for whiskey but you know it, you you it, you kind of see these things in a game that, that doesn't really have like a heavy story kind of come together in a way that's very charming. And, and, and you like, you kind of realize, Oh, these characters have been interacting with, um, they, they are kind of characters that you build like a slight bond with to some degree. Um, but, but no, you know, it's not anything, anything crazy. Um, Explorer doesn't really have that. There's like some interesting things about like when you're going around, like the map, you can kind of talk to NPCs in different towns and they'll give you hints. But I found 99% of them to be pretty useless. The only one that was, was probably, you know, at least somewhat useful to me was the very first tip, which actually tells you how to get to a secret area. Um, and, and I thought that was really cool. And so it kind of set me up to think that there's going to be a lot more of these kind of like tips that were less just kind of fluff and more had like oh here's how you like get to different places that you normally wouldn't be able to get to but at least in, in my experience I only found that first town really had that and everything after that was like oh go go west to find the treasure and then you go to like the town above it and then the guys like oh the dude in the south town it, like lies all the time but like if you go if you're completing the whole map like it doesn't really matter which direction you go there's no like penalty for you going west other than you just kind of go west and, and usually there's some kind of reward at the end either way so even though he lied to you that the treasure was the to the west you still go and get like a key that opens another door in the environment so it's like they, like those kind of like text-based sections just just didn't really feel like they added much but I do like what active life Explorer seemed like it was trying to do and what it was trying to build um, it's definitely out of the active life games the the four of them it's definitely the most promising looking. Um, I probably will continue to try to play the active life games for now. I can't guarantee that will be the case. Uh, but I was like, okay, you know, these, these games, I think there's, there's not enough substantially different about them to re- re- like review each of them individually. Um, and I probably could get away with just talking about with act, just talking about active life Explorer. But since I bought all the games, I'm like, maybe I should just go ahead and like sum all this up and and basically put something together that talks about the thing as a whole and maybe talk about the switch release as well um to 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 some degree if i if i get around to getting that um we'll see how i feel after i play all the wii games if i'm if i if i can put up with more active life explorer um kind of the thing is with those games that they are when it comes to the actions you're doing in active life explorer so this is that power pad game i've talked about before where you're like jumping around the pad stepping and things like that Um, the actions between the video game or the different games are very similar. So will I be able to continue to be excited about, you know, active life by the fourth video game? I don't know about that. I'm already a little like, oh man, this game repeated a lot of these same mini games at the end of explore. So, so yeah, we'll see. And then I did go ahead and play through all of no more heroes three this week, um, very mixed on this game. I probably will need to spend more time thinking about it in terms of feeling out my final thoughts of it. Um, but what I can say in, 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 in finishing it is, I think it's a game that has a lot of very good intentions. Um, specifically around it is taking a lot of what worked to No More Heroes One, or maybe not what worked. What people may be valued a lot in No More Heroes 1, because like the overworld is not something that really works in No More Heroes 1 very well, but a lot of people like that overworld for a variety of reasons, but a lot of them are not that it's an actual good overworld. It's just given the structure of the game and the tone of that game, I think think it fits that Travis like drives around town and just does like a bunch of random stuff where in the case of No More Heroes 3, he's like collecting scorpions, finding kittens and things like that planting trees it's a it's kind of like the over the overworld in no more heroes games is a very strange thing because it's not very lively um and what you're doing in them is pretty much just finding random spots to click the a button on uh but there's something almost kind of relaxing about that um, like it's a very non-stress open world. You can just kind of walk around and there, there's a lot of flexibility where you can go in that open world. So you can kind of go around and, and walk around in the, like various alleyways and things like that. And a lot of times there's nothing in the alleyways, but you just can kind of walk around and just explore. Um, and, and there's just not a lot of, um, uh, you know, challenge or things that get in your way. You're just kind of doing it. Um, and I think there's something kind of relaxing about that. Um, and I think that's true for the original No More Heroes. I do seem to recall like really just exploring, going around the town, collecting the, like, I think they're called super balls or whatever. They're like little orbs that were flying around. Um, so this game has a lot of that too. And if you don't know, No More Heroes 2 actually removed the overworld and just had like a, you know, select the different hub kind of thing where you go to like upgrade your cantana and things like that. Uh, But the overworld in this game feels very much like No More Heroes 1. And it's very much the same thing still of just like, there's not a lot going on there. So if that bothers you having a very open, open world, um, or a very empty open world, rather, um, that's still going to be a problem here. That's that's just how that is. Um, And then also... Uh, uh, well, well talking about the the main game itself. So if you don't know what the structure of No More Heroes games are, typically it's like you have these ranked battles you go against. So you like fight different assassins and each rank you kind of go up. So you fight the rank 10 assassin, kill them. You're rank nine, fight the rank eight assassin, things like that. And you have to like pay a fee to, to get into the battle. Cause there's like this association who runs the, 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 the combat essentially. And so in the, in the original No More Heroes, when you did this, um, typically, not always, but typically, there was, like, a lead-up mission to the actual um, uh, uh, encounter. So you'd pay your fee, you go to, like, you know, the, the baseball stadium, and there would be, like, a baseball area. you kind of walk around, or there would be, like, some mini-games along the way. And usually it was, like, some kind of themed, themed stage based off whatever boss you were going to go fight, essentially. Not always. Like, I think Destroy Man... Who was kind of like a male dude didn't really have too much of like a theme to his stage. It more or less it's just like, hey, you can walk between these areas and fight things. Um, but but there are some times where where it was a bit more um, more specific on those. Uh, and whether those stages were good or not, I think is is kind of a whole other thing. Um, there's definitely some memorable moments about them for sure one of my favorites being the one where, I forget which stage it was, but like like the sprinkler system turns on and Travis has like a beam katana that has like electricity in it, right? And and, and so like when he's in the, the the sprinklers, he's getting like electrically shocked the entire time. So they get to like find the the sprinkler switch to turn it off like while you're being shocked. So like Travis is like all sprawled out with his limbs, like very rapidly running down the hallways, screaming while he's getting electrocuted. And it's like, you know, mechanically, it's it's pretty much just find the thing that you need to pull the lever on but it, it is like a very you know the, the the context of what you're doing it in is very entertaining and very fun um i don't really recall how no more heroes 2 was with that i don't recall a lot about no more heroes 2 in general to be honest with you um, except for the, I like the different beam cantanas, which is something that has not returned in the series where you have like the, the dual wielding beam katanas or the, the long beam katana. that this game, they basically kept it with just, just a single beam cantana. Um, uh, but Travis strikes again, actually leaned really hard into these, like pre boss stages. And that was something that I think is, is really the strength of Travis strikes again, especially early on is that each of these stages really has like a distinct, not only aesthetic, but also um, flow and structure to them. I remember really liking the coffee and donuts level, uh, the the Thunderdome one, where you're like in the uh, the you're doing the the bike races, and you like, go back to your little tiny apartment complex at the end of the bike races and then you like like go on the computer system and go back in kind of thing. It's 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 it there's a lot of really neat things about Travis Strikes Again when it comes to the level design and what you're doing in those levels. And it's also Travis Strikes Again is also a very momentum-based game, so it can kind of deal with those larger levels, I think, because Travis is almost always moving in those games um because it's like an overhead isometric game and like your light attack lets you run at full speed even while you're swiping uh and then your heavy attack you use like you know it does slow you down but there is like kind of this forward lunge to it whenever you use it so i felt like the heavy attack was like really a, a, a powerful tool in that game um and i think a lot of people kind of um uh D- did not interact with the heavy attack a lot which i think kind of hurts the experience a bit for better or for worse yeah you can play that entire game using the light attack but i feel like the heavy attack was definitely a more satisfying uh attack to do um and this game interestingly kind of takes uh, a lot of elements from travis strikes again um you know mechanically but then basically like staples them onto the original no more heroes which is like this behind the back third person you know action game where you basically smash the a button in the case of No More Heroes 1, you have, like, a high and a low attack. But in this game, it's just a light and heavy attack from Travis Strikes Again um, as well. Um, but it is very much those arena combat sequences. And there's not many just, like, stages you go through. If anything, it's probably, I think, maybe the least amount of stages in a No More Heroes game. There's just, like, not a lot of... of areas that you really explore um, there are some exceptions there's like a really cool school sequence at one point that you know again it's one of those things where like the school sequence is not what you're doing in it is not particularly that interesting but the context of what they're presenting it as um is 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 is, is fun and i think that's a lot of no more heroes it's like nothing it does is particularly great right but the context of what they're presenting it as is what makes it good um, in, a, in a lot of ways And so there's just, like, not a lot of those kind of stages that feel very creative. Um, But there's also, like, instead of, like, you know, just filling it in with a lot of, like, just go from room to room to room kind of thing. Um they instead spread out the like pre-boss encounters throughout the open world. So you go and you like find these different like uh gems in the environment, I guess you could call it. You have to collect a certain number of gems. So not all fights will contribute to you being able to go to the to the next battle. You have to like go find these specific gems, but it's pretty easy. They're you know, it's I basically went and just did all of them just because it didn't hurt to do all of them really, uh, and get money and stuff for doing them too. Uh, But, you know, you just go around and do these different battles and eventually, you know, you you collect the set of gems that you need to to move on to the next battle. And that was often kind of treat it as, like, the pre-boss follow-up kind of thing. It's like, oh, you're going to go to this region. The, the The region's, like, split up into five different areas. And each region has, like, its own theme. But, like, what you're doing there is not particularly unique or anything like that. Other than, like, sometimes, like, like Thunderdome area, the outside of, like, this main city hub is just, like, a big desert and that's it. But the actual main city hub you can go into and it's, like, kind of like a Japanese... Um, I forget what it's called. Like, it's, it's that thing in... Uh, uh, Osaka like Dotonbori I think kind of thing where it's like that big long walkway with like the alleyways off to the sides of them and the tower at the end I think that's what it is um, it, it's an area very similar to that um, in, in Japan and so and then like Santa destroys where more just kind of like a suburban neighborhood kind of thing and then you have call of battle which is like a bombed out city kind of thing so they each have their own aesthetics but what you're doing there is just driving around going and like you know starting these battles or whatever um, so the point being, really, is that there's just not a lot of, um, I think, interesting stage design in this game. I think that's probably the thing that this game is lacking the most, is the stages that feel particularly good to 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 explore. Again, not completely devoid of it, but it's just rare that they really ask you to do all that much before a stage. It's not uncommon that you just basically... Uh, teleport up to this alien ship. You walk down a hallway. Sylvia talks to you on the phone, and then you go straight into a boss battle, or very quickly into the boss battle. Um, again, there's there's some exceptions here and there. Like there's this one where you play like musical chairs before you do the fight. So like that's kind of I guess you could say the stage of that game in some ways, but it's just it's just not a lot that you're doing in that that stage ahead of time. It kind of feels like a part of the boss battle rather than rather than a um, a, a kind of pre preamble to it. Um, But overall, you know, this game, I think, it it really picks up. Um, It takes a while to get going, is I guess what I'm trying to say. I would say probably until about rank seven, I was pretty down on the game. I was like, I'm not loving this. I don't like any of the bosses so far, like Black Hole. Um, There's another guy, Golden something. The, the, The rank nine guy, I don't know. Like, when I... He is probably the most like, wow, this is a nothing boss ever in No More Heroes. I mean, there's definitely ones that are worse, right? Um, but but like his whole thing is basically he just says like snap, crackle, pop over and over. And he's like snippety snack will crop. Like, and basically Travis is like burning him. And the way that Travis is, we'll get into Travis here in a second. But he, he, he he's like burning him and the whole time he's just like, ah, snap, crackle, pop kind of thing uh, every time Travis burns him. And that's kind of just his whole character. And then at the end of the fight, there's like not really any kind of dialogue or connection to Travis. It's just him being like, "Oh, don't kill me with the 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 rock you have in your hand." And then Travis smashes his robot head in with the rock, um, and then that's the end of the encounter. It's just like he was like the most nothing character in that in that particular game. At least he's definitely the most disappointing because he just does nothing. Um, But they do try to, uh, kind of personalize or not personalize, uh, humanize a lot of like the aliens specifically. So in this game, you're, you're fighting galactic assassins. So you go through the rank of like these aliens coming in. So they're not so much humans, uh, at least the ones listed on the board, you do fight more bosses, but the ones listed on the board are all these aliens that are, that are coming into the, 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 um, world and you're fighting them to get to the top essentially, Um, and there are like these really good sequences where, um, the main kind of number one alien guy sits down and has these conversations with his little minions and, you know, they're, they're kind of cheesy, but, you know, at the same time, I, I do appreciate them. You know, it does give a little more personality, a built relationship between him and those characters. The, the main alien from, from, at least from like a main story perspective is generally, you know, like shown as completely unhinged and just angry and wants to blow up stuff all the time especially early on but as they kind of uh you know let you have these these conversations between um uh, or rather you see these conversations between the main alien and like the the minions you know some of them are a lot more personal and closer and you, you just see the more human side of this alien dude which i i like that that aspect of the game quite a bit um whether it really delivers on like, you know, paying off in terms of the main alien being kind of like humanized by the end. Not really, but that's not really the point. I don't think um, it's it's more of just, I think, to kind of fulfill certain tropes and things like that. No more Heroes is a game that has a ton of references all the time. And a lot of times I don't really know if I'm following along with it. There's this dude, uh, I think he's like a really popular director called like, it might be Takashi Miike or something like that. Um, and like he is just they just reference him non stop. Maybe not non stop. There are there's a cutscene every single chapter that talks about this dude's movies and stuff, and Travis kind of praising it. And you know, for for the type of person Suda is, and probably a lot, a lot of people who like Grasshopper games, uh, it makes a lot of sense. But it's someone like me who just does not really you know pay attention to that stuff, We're just like okay, there's these very long sequences where they literally are just referencing movies but it doesn't really seem like they're doing so in like a really deep way it just seems very surface level of we said the name interesting that the voice acting they'll say the full name of the movie but in the text on the screen it just like blanks out certain parts of the words and things like that Um, So I feel like those kind of movie references, as somebody who mostly plays video games, are are pretty lost. I mean, there's definitely a lot of them, but I think that's always been kind of a a case throughout the series. This one feels a little bit more on the nose about it, like a lot of direct references to anime and movie names that I feel like was not really so much present in the past games. Um, But at the same time, I, I do know that those games have had movie references in the past. Um, I think No More Heroes 2 specifically, um, a lot of people said it had like a lot of heavy movie references, but um, again, I, I'm not really up and up on that. I'm, I'm more on the video game <laughs> kind of side and and definitely towards the end of, of No More Heroes 3, um, they do kind of amp up the video game references a bit more. So I can be a bit more appreciative of that. Um, um, but it's a game that I, that I, I feel like took a while for me to, to, to really get into. And then towards the end, it really started to build up, not only with better stage design, but I think better interactions between Travis, and different characters, the aliens, you know, interacting with each other, things like that. Um, the one thing I will say about this game that I kind of expected, but, um, I'm still a little sad, did not really, uh, change that much. It's just Travis as a character. Um, you know, it is just the development of the direction he has gone where, um, he's just not, he's not a fun character to me anymore. He's just kind of, I kind of just expect everything. He's somebody who, who feels like he's like mightier than thou in a lot of ways and like spends a lot of time just kind of trash talking people which I mean is not again not something that was never part of his personality but I think there's just like a balance in that original game in terms of him being a dumbass and then also being full of himself kind of thing and as 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 these games have gone on it's become more and more about him being full of himself and as they become more precious about Travis as a character you know he's been able to act on on being full of himself like oh I'm going to I'm just going to fucking ruin you kind of thing. And then he actually does just go ahead and kind of ruins them because that's you know who he is physically at this point, being able to, to overtake people. Uh, a lot of times there's not that much of a struggle between him and the boss um, in terms of what's presented in the cutscenes. where I feel like in No More Heroes 1, um, you did have some of the more of those scenes where Travis was like felt more on par with a lot of the bosses he was fighting against. Um, and I think some of that is also just in terms of like... The, the story as well. Like Travis feels like somebody who's always kind of talking down to people in, in no more heroes three, or I feel like in no more heroes one, um, there's a lot more scenes where it feels like he's more of speaking as, as an equal to a lot of them. Um, not always, obviously, but but I think there are are, are cases of that. So I don't know. It's, it's definitely one of those things that like, I think it's a very difficult thing to explain. I'm not somebody, I think you guys know, I'm not somebody who's great at explaining my feelings on story and characters. I'm a very straightforward mechanics driven person when it comes to video games. Um, um, so like actually explaining how I feel about Travis and the characters is probably a very difficult thing to really convey. And I feel like I'm just kind of talking in a lot of vague terms here for the most part. But um, yeah. I, if you've liked the last three No More Her- or two No More Heroes games and where character or where Travis has been as a character, then I think you'll be perfectly fine here. But as somebody who has not really liked those last two versions of Travis, like I'm, I'm just kind of like, yeah, It's still, still that, still him. So, so yeah. I think that's all I want to say about No More Heroes three for now, at least. That seems pretty reasonable off the top of my head. Um. So yeah, I, I will say. You know, it it did make me appreciate Travis Strikes Again a bit more. Um, you know, being separated from No More Heroes 1 and 2 for so long, I think made it a little harder for me to understand exactly what Travis Strikes Again was doing that was more unique, specifically the level design. Travis Strikes Again has pretty amazing level design early on. Um, but Travis Strikes the game is a game that falls off on the back half of that game. Like the levels just kind of start getting very samey towards the end and rely a bit more on aesthetic more than anything. Where No More Heroes 3 is the opposite, I feel like early on it relies more on aesthetics and then the back half, it it, it, it is a bit more, um more substantial in in its content and 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 how it handles its references and how that applies to the player as a game from a gameplay perspective um it's definitely much more improved over time but but i feel like the combat of this game you know it's really cool that they brought in a lot of systems from travis strikes again like they have this death glove system in place which is like the one where you have like special skills so i think that's always a or at least i think that was a really nice addition to travis strikes again to vary up the battle system and i'm very glad they brought that over but i think the momentum-based combat um, being missing is, is a little, a little sad, but, you know, inherently different games. Travis strikes against a, a spinoff and then no more heroes is just kind of like behind the back arena brawler kind of thing in, in some ways, um, with, with how it works. So overall, I'm pretty happy with the game. Um, I don't really know what I want from no more heroes at this point uh other than just you know i think there will always be the desire of mine to just have like a really solid set of bosses again that really feel personable in a way that that makes a connection with travis i feel like that's been missing for the last three games and that still is missing in no more heroes um obviously there are exceptions in the game but i think when you look at that first lineup of three bosses like all of them are just kind of like whatever like fine um kind of thing Uh, this game ends on a really high note though, which I'm glad. Um, and there's a lot of like weird references. Like, like if you're like, Hey, I'm just going to play no more heroes three, because that's the next mainline, no more heroes. Like Travis strikes again, plays a huge role in this game. So if you have not played Travis strikes again, I would recommend it. Um, you know, obviously it doesn't really matter because no more heroes is a game that doesn't really treat its story as precious. Um, but, uh, it's a, it's something that I think you would get more appreciation about what's happening in the story and what these characters are doing. There's a lot of characters that are, that are pulled, you know, straight from Travis strikes again, uh, that, that if you just play no more heroes, one or no more heroes one and two, you'll really be missing out on. So, and I think Travis strikes again, while not the perfect video game is, is definitely a fun thing to sit down and play through personally. Uh, I think if I were to rank the no more heroes games at this point, You know, it's one of those things that I think is kind of similar to Zelda, where, like, I don't really have a favorite Zelda. There's just a lot of strong benefits from each title. And, like, No More Heroes 1 is a great game when it comes to characters, but combat's a little, you know, little plain. Uh, Travis Strikes Again, I love the level design. And then No More Heroes 3, I think, you know, No More Heroes 3 maybe doesn't do any one particular thing great um but it's a game that feels like it's cumulative of the series in a lot of ways and it brings in a lot of elements from those and while it is not the best combat or the best characters or the best story or best of uh, level design or anything like that it feels like it has a bit of all of those in it all at once um and so i think i can appreciate it from that regard um whether or not that means i i like it more than no more heroes one or Travis strikes again. is a whole other thing. Number here is two definitely the bottom of the tier for me though. But I think right now, how I feel right now, all those games are kind of flat. Like all three of them are, are equal in some way. They all have their strengths and they all have their weaknesses. Um, I think Travis or the original number here is definitely going to have the most impact, but that's also a game that came out in 2007 when like indie games weren't really a thing. Um, and, you know, Grasshopper's games weren't really as, as well known at the time. Um, so, you know, you didn't have as much experience with all these other games that, that go for similar writing styles and similar aesthetics and things like that. So, um, the track kind of transition into news real quick, um, um, just to go straight into it. Uh, so along with this game, I think actually like, I think a day before the game came out, uh, Suda51 uh, put out uh, like a, a comment about kind of where this, this game it leaves the series in general. Um, and it's kind of this weird, vague thing right now. Uh, he, he seems pretty definitive on this is kind of the last game that features Travis as the main character probably. Um, but when it comes to No More Heroes as a series, it was a bit weird of a weirder comment he made basically that was just saying that uh, Marvelous owns the IP at this point. And, um, and I think that's been the case for, for a long time. Um, but they, they had like a permission to work on it for a particular period of time. So, so basically they have to get a sign off from Marvelous to, to work on it again, um, one thing I did not actually look into, I think I just heard about it on Giant Bomb, but I didn't actually look into where the source was. I think they also mentioned that they may have had like a 10 year dev cycle lined up and none of those plans include no more heroes at this point. So, so it was kind of up in the air what will happen. I think there will be a no more hero three port port to other platforms personally, just those other games have been coming out on those. So I don't see a reason why you wouldn't at this point um, Switch is the only place you can play No More Heroes 3 right now. Technically, the game definitely runs like a Switch game, that's for sure. Um, um, but yeah, so it seems kind of uncertain in, in the future. I will be honest with you, I feel like this is a good point for the series to stop. Um, there's definitely, at the end of this game, uh, space for them to explore further. They are very open about that. This is, that's pretty much true for every No More Heroes game. They always leave some kind of hole there in case they need to kind of extend going further. Uh, but it's also, like, kind of definitive definitive enough at this point that it's like it's probably fine if it never goes on like there are story things that could be followed up on but nothing that's like real substantial enough that that it would be key for the series to continue on right it's not a xeno saga situation or a shenmue situation kind of thing um but yeah, so it seems like that's kind of up in the air at the moment. I'd be curious to see if like Marvelous would ever be interested in making like a a Nowhere Heroes game that did not involve Grasshopper. I think a lot of people would be very upset about that. I think it'd be kind of fascinating to see somebody else try to take the, the reins of that. As somebody who has kind of lost confidence of, of Grasshopper to kind of address the issues that I have with a lot of their games at this point um i i would like to see that but i think you're probably gonna lose something as well especially especially when it comes to like kind of tonally um i don't know many other companies that can make games like grasshopper games which is <laughs> saying a lot i feel like and like a real benefit of them um of uh keeping them around on that series but i'd be curious to see somebody else kind of tackle the series and we're also at the point that like if travis is not included or at least not included as the main character um i think there's a lot of space for for them to explore with that and i'll be curious to see how no more Zero 3 sells I feel like there's a lot of hype behind this game, but just because there's a lot of hype in, the, in my communities online doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to result in actual, you know, sales to to make up the development costs. Not that this game feels like it has a huge budget either. It feels like it very much feels like a Wii game in terms of production value. Um, it, it, Suda also mentioned wanting to make like a Deadpool game or something like that, which I don't really have a lot of interest in. Um, but I think that's kind of I think in general. Um, I think it would be a good fit i will say that as somebody who doesn't know anything about deadpool and just like has seen like, from afar what deadpool is like i feel like grasshopper would be a good fit for a deadpool game uh grasshopper used to do a lot of licensed stuff uh particularly around anime games on the ps2 i think uh and they haven't really done that much stuff anymore i think it's like, blood plus and like uh samurai Champloo or something like that were, were two of them that they worked on um so it'd be interesting to see them work on a licensed game again i'm somebody who kind of respects people who works on licensed games to some degree because you are working within a framework at times uh that, that can be really restrictive and i think it's also kind of interesting to see what an anime or, or something made for a different medium like an anime or in deadpool a comic book or, or movie um how that can kind of like be extrapolated into video games in a way that that makes it kind of a unique thing like i feel like there's some development choices and sort of online games that doesn't necessarily fit you know what video games are today um but they they bring in elements to try to kind of replicate you know what this video game element is on the the anime series and try to make it a real video game element like the like the bullet sight system in in fatal bullet where like you could see the line of every bullet while you run around basically i thought that kind of stuff was kind of neat does it really amount to anything not really but i appreciate they tried to like bring that mechanic over um i like that kind of thing so so yeah Um, Continuing on the news train, a couple of different games we've talked about in the past are getting shut down. Um, So the Rakugaki Kingdom, so Graffiti Kingdom uh, 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 mobile game that came out I think a year or so ago at this point is, uh, shutting down in November. I'm not too terribly surprised, you know, I, I I obviously don't know the Japanese audience super well, but Rakugaki Kingdom never really, uh, read to me as, like, the most popular series ever. If you don't know what the Rakugaki slash Graffiti Kingdom is, series is, um, essentially it is a series of, like, games where you can create, um, characters by drawing them and, like, kind of 3D modeling them. I I got one of the, uh, the not the Graffiti Kingdom but another game on PS2 I forget what it was called featuring like a main a girl as a main character I got the Japanese version because I didn't know what it was uh but there is an English release I can't the name is blanking on me right now for the American release but um yeah so so that mobile game was very much like one where you draw your own characters and then go in like to RPG RPG fights um I saw a lot of people I feel like the Atokadol community had some people who were playing it I saw it off and on throughout my my Twitter feed a bit Um, so that was kind of a fun thing to see from time to time. They also had a lot of like, uh, uh, streams where they had like people making, uh, Taito characters because Taito is the original publisher of this, or I guess Square Enix, Taito owns them at this point. Um, and, and seeing like them make like, you know, Pocky and Rocky characters and things like that in there. That's always fun. But the problem I have with those games is I'm not an artist. So like whatever I draw is not going to be great looking. (laughs) So, so yeah, and it's a mobile game, so I would never play it. Um, Square Enix is also shutting down Starwing Paradox, and if you don't remember, this is a game that I talked about when I went on my or when I got, came back from my Japan trip. This is like a kind of. Um third-person flight mech game kind of thing, although there is, like, you, you don't, you're you not flying all the time. You're also, like, able to just kind of, like, turn into your mech suit and then walk around and things like that and fight. Um, so this game was really cool at the time. It basically has the full cockpit kind of set up with the levers and things like that. The thing that really jumped out about me is that the um, title screen was heavily, heavily populated with voice actors. Like, they would show... Um, like, like each character in the voice actor's face right beside it in a very, like, I feel like a nineties anime game way. I don't feel like you see that as much these days. Um, but that, that's what kind of caught my attention because it's like, it's like an arcade game with a bunch of real people <laughs> on it. So, which was kind of a, a, a fun thing, but yeah, uh, the servers for that game are getting shut down in October. Um, I don't really know for sure what that means in terms of, you know, um, services like with Gunslinger Stratos, you could technically play that games like, mission mode or, or something like that uh without the servers being online but i think like you couldn't track progress or play like any kind of like specialized content or online battles or anything like that so at this point i think it's just like you can basically go through some of the basic elements of the game and and, and that's it unfortunately so um it's kind of interesting that those games i'm kind well rather i'm kind of curious about rather it's, it's kind of interesting Um, if those kind of like underground arcade rings, um, keep those servers alive in some degree to some degree, like if they are creating their own servers and, and allowing you to kind of continue to play those games, obviously I don't think that's so much, well, I don't know if that's a thing in Japan really as much, but in in the U S you could find some arcades around that definitely aren't supposed to really be running certain games (laughs) and they're connecting to servers that probably are not actually real servers kind of thing. Um, so I'm kind of curious if something like Starwing Paradox had like a community that's been like backing up server data and, um, you know, uh, trying to recreate that experience. So people who own that machine or have the you know ability to emulate that game can still play it to its fullest potential without, you know, having to, to, you know, rely on, on Square Enix to maintain the service. But anyways, that's shutting down next month. So rest in peace, Starwing Paradox. Uh, In terms of game announcements, there was a uh, Big Brain Academy for the Switch that got announced. I still have not played the Big Brain Academy series. I have the DS one. I have not picked up the Wii one. I've seen it a few times, though. I think the last time I looked at it, it was like, um, I I think I saw it for like eight bucks. I need to double check to see. I think there's a local place near me if they have like a manual or not. I might grab it next time I'm there just because this has made me think about it again. Um, but Big Brain Academy being like one of those kind of brain age style games, touch generation titles where it's focused on, uh, you know, uh, training your brain in minutes a day kind of thing, right? The subtitle of brain training. Um so this game is, is definitely still focused on that. It seems to have like a focus on multiplayer specifically in the trailer they showed, uh, that showed local multiplayer. Uh, but they also had, um, online multiplayer as well. One thing that really jumped out at me about the online multiplayer. So I don't know if this game is going to like require friends codes or something. So it's like, Oh, you can only play with people online with friends codes. The trailer did not seem to imply that because they're at some point just like showing this grown American man just playing brain age with this or brain training or big brain academy rather with this like 16 year old japanese high school student or whatever and what's interesting is that the the character profiles in those games has information about that person now i'm gonna guess you could put anonymous or, or hide it or whatever but it literally just has on screen hey this person is this age this is their occupation: Japanese high school student or, or or office man. And then also they give you like I assume pre pre selected comments you can create um, about that. And for a Nintendo game, that just seems like a lot of information to give to random people online. Um, I was very surprised by that. I don't know if they give you the username. It's I think on the the trailer it said like over the the American dude it said player, and then the Japanese player it says quote a real player above it, but I don't know if that's just, you know, them setting, you know, test text or whatever for, for making that trailer or whatever. But yeah, that really took me aback seeing like so much personal information in a Nintendo online game displayed, um, potentially to somebody who would not have friend codes maybe maybe somehow a 40 year old man and a like 16 year old high school student in, in different countries exchange their exchange their friends codes i don't think nintendo would be super happy about that <laughs> but i'm guessing that's not the case um so that really kind of took me back either way though the game is aesthetically it still has a great um great look uh i love the main theme for the big brand academy games that's such a such a good thing I'm, I'm sure i'll probably have it at the beginning of this podcast maybe it's like the hachan ya Ha-cha-ha-ha song really good since smash brothers as well um really more than anything though and i think this comes out in december by the way the thing with this really just reiterates to me and i'm just really glad about this is that nintendo has not really given up on that like kind of wee casual audience or the switch obviously i think like ring fit adventures and fitness boxing and things like that has really shown nintendo there's still a space for that market in the u.s here um and and well around the world i guess um, I don't know how Brain Age on the on the the Switch sold, to be honest with you, but I'm glad Nintendo's still kind of pushing that stuff. That was something I really kind of missed out of the Wii U era. Admittedly, they never really have that audience on the system, so I can totally understand why they did not really go for that approach. But I, I'm glad to see it back. I'm glad to see it come back in a, in a maybe not full force way, but it's a it's a it's a, a strong way, you know, Clubhouse games and stuff like that. I'm really glad to see that stuff. Have I bought any of them? No, I have not. Don't judge me. <laughs> uh, I just haven't really got around to them. And I, have, and I have a lot of those games that I bought on the Wii and DS that I still haven't really gotten to. So personally, I just don't really have a lot of, um, you know, uh, uh, excuse to buy it yet at this point. But I'm really happy to see that that coming along. Um, there's also a new Gunvolt game that was announced, even though Gunvolt 3 isn't out yet. They announced Gunvolt Luminous Avengers G2. Um, so if you don't know, this is the Gunvolt spinoff game that featured the character Copin which is kind of like, if you know Mega Man series, kind of like the Zero of the Mega Man series in some way. Um, or the Gunvolt series, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, so this is a game that's featuring him. It still kind of has the same flying mechanics, although there was a kind of an emphasis on melee combat in this trailer. You know, Gunvolt 3 also has a character focus on melee combat. So I don't know if that connection kind of came that way. Uh, but Copit is a character that gets different abilities based off the bosses. They kind of highlight that again in this trailer, like new abilities through different bosses. But I kind of expect that. Out of like, out of Copen, because that's his, his kind of gimmick. So I, I don't really know much. I, I I feel like a Mega Man game would not say oh new abilities with each boss because like yes that's what a Mega Man does. But admittedly, a Mega Man's an iconic character and Copen, maybe not so much. <laughs> um, I'm not really sure if I'm interested in this game at this point. Honestly, it's it's I like Gunvolt Lunatic Avengers G is my favorite Gunvolt game probably. Like that game I think does a lot of things right not only aesthetically, tonally, and story-wise, but also mechanically a very strong game. And, um, you know, admittedly, very similar to Gunvolt 2's Copen, but Gunvolt 2's Copen kind of got the short end of the stick of being in a game where he was only one of the two main characters. So he really, feel like he got the chance to really, you know, flex and be like his own main main character kind of thing. Um, so I really liked Gunvolt, Gunvolt Illuminous Adventure Z, um, but at the same time, I don't really need, know if I need more of that at this point. Um, uh, so we'll, we'll see. I will probably pick it up. I just don't know if I'm interested in... Like, I don't know what they could do with Copen right now to make me interested. Obviously, the different skills and stuff, if they make you play a different way, sure. Yeah. Um, but if it's going to be kind of the same core mechanics, just like, just, well, like the... the the skills he's using to shoot enemies just look a little different or maybe have like slightly different effects then i'm not super interested in that at this point so we'll see Uh, i will probably pick it up um they did say oh like i think i think so i think they announced that this is coming to america but they didn't announce like a physical they're like oh we're probably gonna do a physical eventually i'm gonna guess it's gonna be through the limited run game so i might just import the japanese version if english is on the card (laughs) i don't you know we already talked about this Oops, move my move my char- my uh, chair arm. We already talked about this. I don't want to buy any more <laughs> buy any more limited run games if I don't have to. So so ideally I will be avoiding that. Uh, I don't know. If, I think Luminous Avenger was also a limited run. I had to go back and look at that, but I think that was the case. So, anyways, I'll probably look at importing it. I'll have to see if Luminous Avenger shipped with English on the cart. If it did, then I'm gonna guess probably the same thing here. Um, and then they also said Gunvolt 3 is coming out in 2022, so that's going to feature the new main character with the sword. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that game. Uh, again, I don't really want her to share a game with Gunvolt specifically, but you know, what they showed in the trailer seemed to seem, seemed like they were making some adjustments to Gunvolt overall as a character. So I'll be curious to see what those changes are and I'll definitely buy that one. I think I'll be excited to play Gunvolt 3 and I think I will enjoy it. But just looking at Luminous Avengers G, I just was, or G2, Um, I just didn't really see anything that jumped out immediately. But I said the same thing thing about Gunvolt 2 when they showed that off initially. And what Gunvolt 2 really brought to the series was just good stage design. Admittedly, Gunvolt 1, I will not say is bad stage design per se, but there's a lot more flat stages. Um, And then Gunvolt 2, feels like they kind of figured out how to make Gunvolt work in those stages where Gunvolt 1, I think it was so flat because they didn't really know how to make Gunvolt work as a character in more complex stage designs. Um, one kind of weird ripple to all this Gunvolt, uh, Luminous Avengers Y thing is that if you remember a long time ago, we talked about a game called Kogan on this podcast. And Kogan is a Gunvolt, uh, Clone, I guess you could say. I, I, I don't want to say hundred percent, but like aesthetically and mechanically, there's a lot of very similar things. It is a melee combat-based game, so it's not like you know Gunvolt One and Two, at least where those characters are very ranged-focused. Um, you know, there is a melee character coming up in Gunvolt Three, but obviously this is happening after the fact. Um, so Kogan is a game that you know looks definitely a lot lower budget than that. It has a Unity Chan as the main character, so that probably tells you all you need to know about <laughs> the production value of this game. That doesn't mean it's not going to be good. Just, just generally you can tell it's, it's a it's a, a cheaper game than, than that so you know being a clone of gunvolt you would think there wouldn't exactly be like this close tie between those two series but they are doing a crossover thing um so copen's gonna show up in kogan i think as a playable character and then kogan is gonna show up as the, i believe as a boss in luminous avengers g2 which is kind of like a weird thing it feels like a very like capcom versus s versus snk kind of thing like we're making these two different projects that in some ways are kind of in competition with each other to some degree um but at the same time our fan base is probably overlapping a way where this makes sense right um i think that's really cool i think that's really exciting so um i i do want to check out kogan i think it comes out in january in japan i don't know if they've announced a u.s release uh but we will see if that happens three gunvolt games in the course of six months is maybe a little too much for me gunvolt style games i should say even two gunvolt games in the course of six months a little a little um uh, tight for me but uh i I think i would definitely buy luminous avenger and and gunvolt 3 just whether i'll play luminous avengers g2 is is kind of a whole other thing so yeah, and that's pretty much it for game news. Uh, Wonderfest, just a quick follow-up for Wonderfest last week. I talked about that getting canceled in the physical event and there being an online event. Um, so they've just announced that they're going to have an online event on October 9th. Uh, I'm trying to remember the service they're going to use. It, I think it was called like maybe like Expo, Expo something. I don't know. There's some kind of online service they're going to use. I was trying to look up details for that service, and I could not find it. So um, maybe as we get closer, I'll be able to find the information for that. Uh, but, but yeah, so they announced that, that, that they're doing that. Um, they are doing like an entry fee though. So you do have to pay like $10 to get in basically, or 1000, you know, yen. Um, so it won't be something you could just jump on, you know, for free per se. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll look into it and I'll, 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 I'll report back as, as, <laughs> as we get closer to that thing essentially. But I would like to, I would like to check out, see what they're doing with that. And, you know, as somebody who's never been able to go to Wonderfest, I think it'll be a good opportunity to get a feel for kind of what is at Wonderfest. Obviously, ideally, I'd want to actually go to one. Um, but but yeah, so yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for coming. WatchHillPort.com is the website. Um, in terms of what's coming up, uh, I have not finalized it yet as I'm recording this. But ideally, I should have the uh, Multitap podcast going up this week, probably on, uh, I think, Wednesdays when I said exactly. I believe Wednesday. If not, well, I'll go ahead and plan on Wednesday now. <laughs> uh, so that multi-tap po- podcast is going to go up. We're talking about the game Colon's Curse, which is a uh, Kickstarter game uh, by a fellow named Rem. He He reached out to me and said he wants to talk about the game um a bit on the podcast he apparently listened to the podcast a bit was like oh i like the podcast and i would like to be on a podcast so i was like sure you know admittedly like i i had like i think i talked about this last week i had a little bit of reservations about bringing somebody on who's like an actual developer of a game and especially like a kickstarter one where they're like actively accepting donations to some degree that being said the game has been funded so so the donations are just like extra at this point for them Um, but when i really sat down to look at the game i was like you know uh, uh, this game has a lot of things that i'm particularly interested in and, and I think makes sense that I would, would look at, would I have looked at it without him reaching out? You know, maybe not. I maybe like looked at the webpage and be like, Oh, neat. But I don't know if I would have checked out the demo per se. Um, but, but I don't necessarily mind, uh, having to sit down and play the demo and, and talk about that a bit, specifically the fact that it's set in Colum's walled city. That is a big bonus for me. Cause I think Colum's walled city is a very fascinating place. And, and I don't know if video games have necessarily done a great job of representing Kowloon Wall City. Um, I say this as somebody who has not played Kowloon's Gate or, or something like that. Or Kowloon, sorry, I'm, I'm bad at pronouncing that properly. I always say a Kowloon kind of thing when it should be Kowloon. Um, it's spelled or K-O-W though. Um, so that will be going up this week. We're also still streaming Scourge Hive. So if you show up on uh, Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific time, you can watch us play through more Scourge Hive. It's like an isometric Metroidvania style game. Uh, and then uh, I don't have any el- anything else scheduled from there. So I will let you know how things go from here. Uh, in terms of what's coming up next. I'm going to hopefully work on some more stuff this weekend. One thing I did do is I went ahead and created a um, video or uploaded a video for the Quest 64 uh, community review process we did essentially where we just kind of talk through our thoughts on Quest 64 a bit and make our little review card. Um, I, I think that... Is a very I don't know I like that series a lot or oh, that series the thing we do at the end of the streams and I think there's some value in archiving that that specific particular moment obviously you can go back and look at the mainstream and see that but I think there's some value in archiving that particular like walkthrough process so if you're ever curious about like kind of how I feel about like how I think about game reviews and things like that um, that's probably a really good way to see not only how how I think through things but also like my my audience too because my audience is like a big contributor in that although i feel like i'm a bully sometimes i'm just like i don't know if i want to put this on the sheet necessarily just in terms of what we value kind of thing but you know i i generally want to like at least represent everybody's thoughts to some degree just gotta pick and choose sometimes right so sorry if, if you've ever been offended by me turning down your comment I don't do it I'll, I do it out of love not not hate <laughs> I'm just trying to trying to create something that feels feels well-rounded I guess and in and, and, and the style of the website too right we were talking about Elibits and like uh, for a little bit I think uh, even myself I was like maybe we should mention the frame rate of Elibits i like actually no it doesn't matter Given this website and the kind of content we're covering, we don't care about the frame rate unless it affected the gameplay, which was (laughs) not really at all. Or if it's a video game that's going to be like, "I'm the best thing ever, please play me," then I'm gonna sit there and be critical of your frame rate. But if you're just like, "Hey, we have this weird Wii thing we made," whatever, man, run at twenty frames per second, it's fine. I'll live with it. (laughs) So, so yeah. But anyways, thank you again for coming. Wonkshowboarder.com is the website, and I hope you have a great week. Bye.